Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Roberts. And as always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Roberts. And here on the Hum Day edition of The Yard, I admit to you, yesterday was weird for me. Really, really weird. Because I, I recorded the Monday show on Sunday. And so as a result... You know, I'm used to recording pretty much every other day during the week. All day yesterday, it was almost just like a mystery day because I didn't record on Monday. And so I'm thinking, I don't normally go two days without recording during the week. And so all day long, I kept having to remind myself that yesterday was Tuesday. We did get players and coaches last night. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in the show. It's cool to have some routine. That's what I love about football season, especially for our job. It's like... It's difficult some days to get up wondering what you're going to write about. And so when you have these media opportunities and we get a chance to talk to coaches and players, we get it's, it's a lot easier. It's a target-rich environment, shall we say. And so I like the fact that we're going to have a chance to talk to players and coaches pretty much every day this week, the rest of the week. And we'll get Mike Leach on Saturday, rumors of a Saturday scrimmage. So it'll be interesting to hear what Coach Leach has to think after the, uh, the Bulldogs first have their first you know, kind of a game-type atmosphere. No cowbells, of course. Uh, but be that as it may, there is a lot going on in the world of athletics. Uh, big news out of Baton Rouge today. Many of you have, have wondered about this. There have been some allegations about LSU kind of in the wind for a long time now. You guys, uh, let me bring you up to speed for those of you that perhaps have not uh, kind of been, a, been up to speed on all that. So let's go back a little bit and give you a little context of kind of what is unfolding now that the notice of allegations about LSU's alleged misdeeds is kind of making the rounds now. And so to give you a little backstory, this is a huge scandal in multiple sports. You know, we, we, you know we're all very, <clears throat> very much in tune with what went on at Ole Miss and even at Mississippi State recently. But this, this LSU thing is very far-reaching – and it's very, very ugly on its face. So th- this is not a um, – this isn't something as simple as what a lot of these cases are. It's a very complex deal. And so it goes back a couple years now. A gentleman by the name of John Paul Funes, John Paul Funes or Funes, I don't know how he pronounces it, he was caught up in a investigation, a criminal investigation – and to some alleged embezzlement at Our Lady of the Lake Hospital. I don't know if we can call it alleged embezzlement now that he's in jail for it. I don't recall if he pled guilty or not, and that's really immaterial. But so what is alleged with uh, John Paul Funes, or Funes, it's got to be Funes, uh, he, pled, he did plead guilty to stealing more than $550,000 from Our Lady of the Lake Foundation. Our Lady of the Lake is a huge Catholic hospital organization uh, there in Baton Rouge. It's got a huge hospital. Uh, I guess it's right there on Essen Lane. Very, very involved in the community. Do a, a tremendous amount of good in Baton Rouge. I mean, 
many of these people that are involved in this are just absolutely saintly type people that are just kind of salt of the earth people that really live to to help their community which makes all of this so much more disgusting there are a lot of people very heavy devout catholic population in, in baton rouge and many of those people regularly donate to the our lady of the lake foundation because they want to be a part of all the great things that are happening around the community and then those funds were embezzled over half a million dollars and as a part of those funds it is now alleged that funes sent approximately hundred and eighty thousand dollars to the father of vidal alexander former lsu lineman for a no-show job while the kid was in school in, in, in lsu in addition to that there uh <laughs> there was not a player another name you might know Rohan Davy. Now, the issue with Davy is, it's, and this is where the NCAA has a real challenge, is because it's been forever and a day since Rohan Davy played at LSU. But it means that uh, this is a pattern of behavior that has gone on for some time. And some people suggest it might be the tip of the iceberg. I, I, I would probably agree with some of that. One of the things that LSU has as a real benefit is they don't have a natural enemy within their home state. You know, as much as we don't like Ole Miss, they don't like us. And so there is some level of accountability, much like with Alabama-Auburn. LSU does not have a natural rival and certainly don't have one within the state borders because, they listen, everybody in Louisiana, except, I guess, the bitter jaded few that grew up in Louisiana want to go to LSU. That's their dream is to go to LSU. And no, and all due respect, nobody grows up in dreams of playing at Louisiana Monroe. That's not to say you can't get a good education there or have a good football career. That's not what I'm suggesting at all. I've had some relatives that have attended there, but it was Northeastern back then. But my point being is that there's not a lot of people holding LSU accountable. And so there is a bit of a culture there where it's like, hey, you know what? It's uh, And I wrote this on Gene's page earlier. It's like, LSU is a lot like the mob. You never go against the family. And in Louisiana, everybody's family. I don't mean that to be disrespectful. I'm just saying that there are a lot of people down there. Nobody's ever going to just stumble across something and say, hey, listen, this happened for fear of reprisal. I'll give you a good example. When Ryan Paralu was the quarterback at LSU, there was an incident at a local restaurant and the allegation that made the paper was is that there was a family there and uh, Ryan Perlew and some of his associates were being unruly. And I want to say they threw some food. And there, there, was like, there, was a, there was an exchange of words between a family and Ryan Perlew. Well, it makes the paper. Well, then I can't remember which TV station it was. They go down there and interview the restaurant manager. And the restaurant manager is like, oh, no, nothing like that happened at all. Mr. Perlew was here, and who's a complete gentleman, blah, 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 blah. Well, later we find out that it did happen. But the initial reaction, of course, and again, I, I guess it's one of those things that maybe it's uh, you know kind of prevalent in the South. You know, just about everybody, probably the only guy that I know that covered LSU that wasn't an LSU fan was Randy Rosetta. And Randy's no longer on the beat. But there was this rush to defend LSU. It's, a, it's even different. As bad as it was with Ole Miss and the Clarion-Ledger and you know, the Hederman family and all that sort of stuff, I mean, I, and everybody at LSU kind of understands it. The, the Baton Rouge paper, 
is going to defend LSU. And even today, the, the, the brief article that I read earlier kind of skirted around some of the bigger issues, and then the national media kind of gets up to speed, and it's out there. And so the big thing now is not just this money that was stolen from a Catholic charity, and I believe a lot of that money was earmarked for cancer for children, which is incredibly, incredibly disgusting. There is the Will Wade LSU issue. And if you remember, as part of the investigation, they had the FBI wiretaps and Will Wade was allegedly caught on there talking about making a sweet, you-know-what, offer. And let's be honest. Anybody's making a sweet offer, you can't sweeten the deal. Everybody gets tuition and books and that sort of stuff. I'm not a Pollyanna. I understand how the world works. But let's be honest, those wiretaps very damning to one Will Wade. And then it comes out today, and this is, again, there's a lot of people have kind of skated around all of this. Saying, you know, well, you know, that, that there's not anything going on. Uh, you know, the cat's in the bag, the bag's in the river. LSU now charged with several, several violations. And it is now alleged that Will Wade made or arranged for impermissible payments to 11 different people. 11. You go back and look at the Ole Miss case, you just got a handful of people, Right. And some of those people were just kind of involved with minor things, you know, you know, whether it be free food or whatever. We're talking cash payments here. That, that's the severity of this thing that I don't think people really understand. It's like everybody says, well, you know, it's just kind of everybody does it. Not now, not, not, not to this level. According to a CBS News article, CBS Sports, documents allege Wade arranged for, offered, and or provided impermissible benefits, including cash payments to at least – 11 men's basketball prospective student athletes, their families, and individuals associated with prospects and or non-scholastic coaches, CAAU, in exchange for the prospects enrollment at LSU. Incredible. This is just really kind of beginning to crest and people are kind of figuring this thing out, saying, you know what, this is, uh, this is not exactly what we had hoped. This is all, again, fallout from the Christian Dawkins uh, HBO special Many of those wiretaps were played. And let's be honest here. The NCAA was embarrassed by all that. You know, the FBI has these things, and they find out there's this, you know, this culture of, uh, you know, of noncompliance out there that, uh, listen, immense basketball recruiting might be the filthiest thing of them all when it comes to college athletics. But a lot of people have wondered and said, hey, Steve, listen, and even Ole Miss people have asked, how, how, does, how does LSU get away with this stuff? Well, they haven't. Now, there's some people saying, well, you know, you had the Odell Beckham thing, giving cash on the field. And that is, uh, that is a violation, obviously. They, they tried to handle it. You know, initially, if you recall, the initial spin from LSU was is that it was fake money. But it wasn't. They've self-reported that. But here's the thing, and, and I've, I've noticed, too, that Mike Glazier also, Mike Glazier is Mississippi State's NCAA attorney when we have matters of that matter, and probably, arguably, the best NCAA attorney in the industry battling the NCAA enforcement case. But Glazier and them are trying to kind of get the football allegations separated from the basketball allegations as they kind of get this whole thing adjudicated. I think the argument that John Duncan made, and I read some things earlier, John Duncan, of course, from NCAA, he says that it exhibits a pattern of behavior. And I agree. I think this is a situation here. If you look at you have a coach paying players. In football, you had a booster paying players 
Now, it's interesting, too. Somehow, this has all looked at a little different. It's one of those things, when players are on campus and the impermissible benefits are provided, there is, there's a process. It's, you know, it's kind of a reinstatement, I guess. If they took things, they can refund the money and then be declared ineligible. But when you're out there offering recruits, it rises to a different level. It just does. And I, and I don't know why that is, but the reality of it is this, is when you, when you buy players, you are going to get in trouble. If you take care of your own, you're going to get in trouble too, but chances are it's not going to be as bad as it, as it would be if you went out and bought a recruit. And now the allegation is that the head coach at LSU men's basketball was personally involved with or had intimate knowledge of 11 different transactions. Sweet, you know what, offers. So this is be, will be awfully interesting. Uh, let me go ahead and share this with you, too. Go ahead and depend on the national media to give you what's really going on with this, with Rosetta not on the beat down there. Uh, you've already had people out there in, in the LSU media saying before this all came down, there's nothing to it, nothing to it, nothing to it, nothing to it, nothing to it. Well, listen, we all heard ourselves. We all heard Will Wade's comments on tape with our own ears. And I think there's a lot of people out there that try to whistle past the graveyard. So we'll see. But I know you guys have an interest in what's going on around the conference. Uh, listen, this basketball probe is not over either. Alabama's another school that's still having some questions asked about them. Uh, but the LSU one, because of that wiretap, you know as well as I do, the NCAA probably said, we're going to go through this thing, you know, look in every crook and nanny, go through this thing, and look, get all the way to the brass tacks and throw everything we can because, they, listen, it's how embarrassing is that too? You know, and Will Wade has kind of had some smoke around him for a long time. And LSU men's basketball, other than a few good years with Dell Brown, has really not been a power in the SEC. And then all of a sudden they start recruiting at an extremely high level, win an SEC championship, and all of a sudden everybody's a men's basketball fan again. It's incredible how that works. But uh, there's more to this story as we get to it. Uh, we'll we'll kind of keep up with that. But, uh, you know, it's, it's fascinating to me the things that people do to try to earn a competitive advantage. And it's kind of like – you know, there's so much similarities, I guess, between this and the uh, the Ole Miss case in respect that LSU men's basketball is is not really considered a power. And so when you all of a sudden, when you have a dramatic turn, much like you did with Ole Miss football, it, people take notice. You can't just show up and get sloppy and just start doing stupid things and start winning big games and expect NCAA not to take notice. But I would not be willing to trade you just anything. I mean, I, I wouldn't trade you the dirt on the bottom of my sandals for, for Will Wade's future in college athletics. I think, you know, based on the allegations, and of course they are at this point still allegations. But when the NCAA brings notice of allegations forward, they have some supporting evidence and documentation. It is going to be a very interesting ride, to say the least. Speaking of interesting, you should go check out our good friends, Bulldog Burger Company. They will feed you and your family to a level that uh, will meet your ultimate satisfaction. Great food, great prices, great people, great atmosphere right here. University Drive in Star Vegas and on Gloucester Street in Tupelo. Bulldog Burger Company, part of a great family of restaurants, does a great job. An absolute wonderful job of feeding people around the Golden Triangle area. Many of you I know, we say, hey, Steve, one of the best things about coming to Starville, coming on game day, is I get to go to Bulldog Burger Company. And you're right. Go by, have the spring rolls. Sometimes, like, I would call it the Nemeth. When Mike Nemeth and I go eat at Bulldog Burger Company, he has the spring rolls as an entree and then gets fries as a side. 
That's what he does. That's his meal. That's how good the spring rolls are. You can have them as an entree. Maybe you should go try that today. I like the uh, the Pimentology ad bacon, like the Lauren. You go find your own favorites. But if listen, if you don't want, you say, Steve, it's a little bit too technical for me. I don't, you know, I just I don't want to try too much. I just want to get a great American hamburger. You go in there and you order the bulldog, and then you ride that ride with a smile. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people in Starkville and now Tupelo go to meet. M-E-A-T. Okay. So let's get into a couple other things here. Uh, those of you that uh, are readers of mine, and I, and I hope that you all will be at some point, you know, uh, we, we had the little book called Flim Flam that came out here a couple years ago back in, uh, in 2017 that caused a little bit of a stir. And then Stark Villains came out last October. And so Alpha Dogs will be released in September. Based on the information I have today, we're about 30 days from delivery. So on or about September 25th, we'll have the books. And uh, here's the goal. The day after they come out, I'm going to go over there to the publisher, and I'm going to sign all those books, all those pre-orders. We're going to get them in the mail. And then we're hoping to have our first in-person signing opening weekend of college football. That's the hope. And then uh, there's some other events that I'll be at. But that's the, So here's the deal. If And we... We're always at the mercy of the publisher. But if you can't make it to a book signing, or maybe you, maybe you just don't want to go to a book signing because you're worried about being around people, you can still get a signed copy of the book, of every book. Go to alphadogsthebook.com right now. Pre-order Alpha Dogs, and you can get personalized copies of Start Villains and Flim Flam there as well. We'll sign all that stuff, and we'll ship it to you once. And, then, and I'm just encouraging you now, if you want to go ahead and get ahead of the game and read Flim Flam and Villains, make two different orders, okay? Just order those separately and then pre-order to Alpha Dogs. We'll get it to you. But I want to make sure you understand this Alpha Dogs thing. If you like Stark Villains, you're going to love Alpha Dogs because it's the same format where it's written chronologically and every chapter kind of leads into the next one. But you can kind of skip around. Like if you were in college with Rafael Palmero and say, you know what, I want to go read this chapter about Rafi. It's a standalone story. You know, I wrote it where if you start with that page, you don't have to have read the other chapters to know what's going on okay it, again it's written chronologically and they all reference each other but they're kind of standalone stories i've shared with you guys before that some of these are very very valuable to me uh i mentioned the alan mckean chapter it's one of the longest ones the game of change chapter those are the first two chapters uh, once we well i'll take it back the first chapter uh people always ask me what's the wildest mississippi state Ole Miss rivalry story you know and, I, and I, I submit to them that it is before the 1997 Egg Bowl. That's a game Mississippi State lost. And I know that I'm uh, bringing up some pain here. That's the one when Stuart Patrick's drove them down. Brian Hazelwood, God loved Brian Hazelwood and his lovely wife, Jenny. God loved them. But Hazelwood uh, missed a long field goal, gave Ole Miss the ball in good field position. Stuart Patrick's drove down, and then they go for two, and Corey Peterson catches it. And then they go to the Motor City Bowl. We stay home with a 7-4 record. But before that game, there was a fight on the field. And in the middle of that fight, Wes Shivers, who was a recruit, an offensive line recruit from Hines Community College, who was being recruited by both Mississippi State and Ole Miss, gets involved in the fight. And he gets kicked and eventually hit in the face with a football helmet. A recruit on a visit hit and assaulted by Ole Miss players. And so I had Wes tell his side of the story. 
Wes uh, leaves a little ambiguity with a couple things, but he shares some details that uh, have never been made public before. And so I wanted to tell that story, even though State loses the ball game, because the West eventually gets the last laugh because he signs on Mississippi State, plays in '98, we win the West, plays wins '99, uh, and that's the the kick in the pick game. So West Shivers played in two Egg Bowls, won them both. And so while that fall day in '97, West might have got the worst end of the deal. I remember him walking off the field face bloody towards our student section and our students roared their approval and at that point you could pretty much wrap up that he was going to be Merlin White but that story leads the book and then we get into Alan McKean we get into uh let me just get the list out right here and I'll run them down for you real quick I still have this trusty piece of paper when I began to outline the book of what I wanted to write about so here's what we have we got the Alan McKean chapter we've got a chapter and these are not in order so don't hold me to this Mike Kelly Mike Kelly, All-American center fielder Mike Kelly. He was Jake Mangum before there was Jake Mangum. Mike Kelly was part of one of Mississippi State's first teams, an incredible story, one of the first OMI teams, an incredible story about how he got to Mississippi State. And the very first thing he did when he got here was go down to Duke Noble Field and throw the ball up against the wall and say, you know what, I'm going to make this thing work. I got a story with Tom Lilly, who was the first bully. Took it upon himself to make a bully costume because he was so filled with school spirit. Next thing you know, he goes from the student section to the sidelines. Got his story in there. Wes Shivers, of course, we mentioned that. Ted Milton was on Mississippi State's first team to go to Omaha in 1971. Coach Milton to many of you guys. He is a yard dog to many. Great man. Great lover of Mississippi State. Great coach. Uh, So much about that chapter that I love. A lot of things that went on with that team, man. Those early Bulldog teams, that we you know, it's like we've been good at baseball forever. But that's when we really kind of took the next step as a program. We finally made it to Omaha in 71. And that kind of paved the way for kind of a lot of what's going on for us now. I mentioned Jake Mangum. Got Jake in the book. How can you write a book entitled Alpha Dogs about Mississippi State and not have Jake Mangum? We talked about that Mayor's Trophy game in addition to every year he played at Mississippi State about being 14-2 and two against Ole Miss. We talked about that Mayor's Trophy game, if you recall, when they elected to walk Jake Mangum with a tying run on second, and then Luke Alexander walks him off, and Jake scores him first. And so Jake gives his take on if Bianco made the right move or not, and you'll have to read the book to find out. But uh, Jake, very gracious with his time. As a matter of fact, Jake was the first interview I did for the book. Rafael Palmero, I've shared with you guys before what an honor it was to talk with Rafi, uh, an incredible interview. Rafi is one of those kind of people, now that he's back in with Mississippi State, you know, now, you know, now he's at that point where he's kind of like getting back to his roots. He is so incredibly grateful for all of you, and he shares that in the book. And uh, I'm, I'm so honored that he allowed me the opportunity to interview him one-on-one, and he would have talked all day. Once I got him on the phone and got him going, he could have talked about Mississippi State and about baseball and about Ron Polk and about what Starville means to him. It was absolutely wonderful. One of the greatest joys of my life is being able to, to get to know Rafael Palmero a little bit. The uh, 87 Egg Bowl with Eric Underwood. Eric uh, was a guy that came from Alabama, came over here, and he says that that day he became a Bulldog. Some of you may recall that a little bit later in his career, we, uh, we won a ball game at Southern Miss. And as we all walked down the ramps after the ball game, we all chanted Underwood for Heisman, kind of sticking it in Southern Miss's face after beating Southern Miss and Brett Favre. They had upset Florida State the week or two weeks before that, 
and then we went into their place and beat them at their place. And we all went down there and we yelled Underwood for Heisman until we were hoarse. We knew that our guy had no, uh, no chance of winning, but it was a way to stick it back to the Golden Eagles. Also got a Sleepy Robinson chapter. It's, uh, there are very few interviews that I ever get a little emotional. But Sleepy is one of those that really made me appreciate how important Mississippi State was in his life. Mississippi State saved his life. He told me he never knew how to have Christmas until he came to Mississippi State. Just a poor kid from the you know, inner city of Jackson, Mississippi, didn't have a whole lot. He found a life and found his family at Mississippi State, and he talks about that at length. Eric Moles in a 93 Egg Bowl, it was a great game. It's a great player. Eric's still very engaged with the Mississippi State Alumni Association. Whenever they come through there, he tries to go down and hang out and talk to our, our, our folks. Michael Davis, now Officer Michael Davis, talking to him about the 94 Egg Bowl. Mike's a guy that doesn't like to talk about himself a lot, but I got him going. That's a guy that really ran all over the Ole Miss Rebels in his career. 96 Egg Bowl is a little different. I interviewed your friend Matt Wyatt, Kevin Sluter, and Chris Rainey. That was a wild day. It's a wild game. And at the end of the year, when after Matt Wyatt and Kevin Sluter eventually graduated, they both ended up marrying Ole Miss homecoming queens. Matt's still married to his. Pretty good story. Desenzo Miller, everybody's favorite, talked about 2001 Egg Bowl, how difficult that year was, what it meant to beat Ole Miss that year and salvage something. 05, Jerry Norwood, what I shared this with you guys recently, he talked at length about uh, Ronnie Musgrove's involvement in his college recruitment. That ended up being an NCAA violation. I think you'll be interested to know that. That, that is one of the most state Ole Miss stories of all time, right? That you'd have a sitting governor as part of a self-reported NCAA violation involving a five-star recruit. 2019, I interviewed Cody Schexnader. And a lot of people would say, well, Steve, why didn't you interview this guy or that guy? Cody Schexnader was kind of the captain of that team in a lot of respects. And he gave me a lot of insight about some of the things that happened last year, kind of took us through the season, what everybody felt like after that Tennessee loss, what it was like the day of the Egg Bowl when all the social media commentary was that Joe Moorhead had already agreed to a buyout and how they had to go out there and play a ball game with all that noise out there, most of it created by our own fans. Spoke to Bruce Castoria and Mark Gillespie about the 81 College World Series team. Bulldog Bruce at one time held the NCAA record for home runs in a season. Bill Anderton about the game of change. That's one of the most important things I've ever written. It's some of that's been written before. But there's some new things here. There's even some documents that have never been published before that are going to be in that book. Some names attached to some words that I think are going to be a little bit controversial. There are some people that think it's going to bring change around the state of Mississippi. That there are certain landmarks around our state that we may have to rename because of these letters that have been published. I don't know that I agree with that. But in today's cancel culture, I guess I could see it. But there are multiple people involved with the publication of this book and says once these documents are released and the names associated with them are known, the names of those landmarks of which they're named after will likely have to be changed. We'll see. Interview Timmy Bowers. If you want to talk about 2004, 2003, Timmy B is your guy. Still playing pro ball overseas. 
Tim, very gracious of his time. We had to record on uh, FaceTime audio because he was out of the country. And again, another guy that would have talked all day. It's a guy that loves Mississippi State. Still reps Mississippi State, said he still talks to Derek Zimmerman every single day. Latoya Thomas, the uh, first lady of Mississippi State women's basketball, you know, she kind of paved the way. The one of the first real huge recruiting wins for Sharon Fanning Otis. Latoya Thomas gave Mississippi State a lot of credibility and ushered in, you know, kind of the the genesis, I guess, of women's basketball at Mississippi State. Listen, we were an awful program from the beginning. Sharon Fanning got here and really made some changes and kind of laid the groundwork for what Vic Schaefer was able to kind of improve upon. Both of those coaches, very important in our development. Uh, I interviewed uh, Mitch Moreland. Mitch Moreland, of course, uh, World Series champ, Mitch Moreland, Boston Red Sox. Mitch uh, talked a lot about why he didn't go to Ole Miss because that was the trendy thing to do back then. Mississippi State was kind of behind the curve when it came to recruiting back then because, you know, Ron Polk, and I love Ron Polk, and I've been critical of Ron, but we had always been Mississippi State, and the kids in Mississippi wanted to come to Mississippi State. And so when Dan McDonald and Mike Bianco got at Ole Miss, they kind of changed the game when it came to in-state baseball recruiting. They were getting on these kids much earlier. And so once those kids did not have necessarily a uh, college favorite – it was like, you know, hey, my Ole Miss wants me. Mississippi State hasn't even offered me yet. And so we got behind the curve. And you wanted to see when Ole Miss kind of began to be a real program. So that was it. It was because of their success on the recruiting trail and Mississippi State's kind of unwillingness to adapt. It wasn't until John Cohen got here that, you know, the recruiting changed. You want to see how you – know, what you have today, now you have the tradition and the facilities, but you also have the same, you know, recruiting acumen that was lacking for a long time. We kind of got we kind of got a little full of ourselves at time, okay. And what I mean by that, at Mississippi State, we let Duty Noble get a little age on it. We kind of sat around here and said, "Hey, man, we got the left field lounge. That's enough." And you know, it was impressive for a lot of these kids, but it wasn't enough to flip kids. You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, by the time we got involved with them, they already had a decision made. And there's kind of this gentleman's agreement in baseball: you don't you don't go mess with another team's commitments. I don't know that I agree with that, but that's that's the the operation of which they operate under. But the bottom line is, is we got a little full of ourselves. We, you know, we were still the people of Palmero and, you know, cousins of Will Clark and that sort of stuff. And we're like, hey, okay. And then next thing you know, we're in trouble. Next thing you know, we're in a lot of trouble because of the fact that um, we had Bianco and Dan McDonald. Dan McDonald was a tireless recruiter. And I had so many people tell me when they would go to these baseball showcases that you know, a lot of the college coaches would kind of sit around and hobnob among each other. And there was Dan McDonald off by himself speaking to a recorder, taking notes, getting information to kids. He was there to work. The other guys, I'm sure they were working too, but they were like, hey, let's go get some dinner tonight. And they said McDonald was a machine for Ole Miss. You know, and listen, they, that's what got Ole Miss rolling in baseball is their, their commitment to recruiting. Because let's be honest, if you were coming into this state and having to recruit against LeBron Polk, you know you're up against it. In the history of Duty Noble Field, I mean, and, and you know, there, it wasn't too long ago that Ole Miss had chicken wire fences. People say, oh, you're being silly. No, I'm not. That's in my lifetime. Back in the 80s, you went out there in the outfield, they had chicken wire fences out there. They've come a long way. Ole Miss made a real commitment to baseball, and that's kind of when it changed. And Mitch Moreland stayed with Mississippi State because he grew up a Bulldog fan. But he talked at length about that, about how difficult it was. And then in the end, it was Mississippi State Mitch Moreland going to the College World Series and not Ole Miss. And finally, I interviewed. 
Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. You uh, spent some time with um, super fan Bill McCurlis. I, I, I spoke with a friend over the weekend that was in school here around that time and said I would completely forgotten about that guy. And you're gonna be, you're gonna find out that Bill McCurlis, once he left Starkville, he lived sort of a. Uh, Forrest Gump life. He has been around and done everything and met all these famous people, and uh, it was a delight to write that. And I think you guys are going to look forward uh, you know, to, to reading that, and uh, I look forward to you guys reading it. Some of these stories are very precious to me because they're our stories. Today's top 10 list brought to you by Hawthorne.co. That's H A W T H O R N E.co. Hawthorne. Go visit them today. Go do it just just for the fun of it. Even if you're not ready, it's like oh, I, my wife bought me some cologne for Valentine's Day. I only wear it when we go out to eat, eat, eat at the fish camp, Steve. I don't use that much cologne. Well, you know what? If you had better cologne, you might use it more. 
I think the people around you would appreciate that. I love my Hawthorne cologne. Go take a short two-minute quiz. Fill out a few very simple questions. And it's not like you've got to, you know, you're not having a, it's not the Pythagorean theorem or anything like that. It's if you're ordering a drink, what kind of drink would you order? When you go out to eat, what kind of food would you order? When you order dessert, it's that kind of stuff. And so it kind of matches up with your biochemistry and your preferences. You're going to love it. I'm telling you, it's the best cologne that I've ever had. The quality is very long lasting. I have people that tell me all the time, hey, Steve, that's, that smells great. What is that you're wearing? You want to improve your batting average? This is how you do it. Hawthorne.co, use promo code Boneyard to unlock some savings. And listen, you don't delay much longer because Hawthorne's going to rotate off here pretty soon, and then we're going to have to start fresh again. We're going to be putting some of the sponsors on. And so if you have neglected to take advantage of the Hawthorne promo code, you need to go ahead and do that now. Hawthorne.co, promo code Boneyard. Okay, so let's get into um, I've been inundated with top ten lists. And I will eventually get to all of them. I hope to. Sometimes I get a lot of messages, and sometimes they get lost in the shuffle. So I will do my best. If you send me one, and I don't, please don't get your feelings hurt and think it's something personal. I'm pulling out one today that's a couple of weeks old. And this is going to be a surprise to many of you because you think you know me, but you don't. You don't know me. You want to, and I want you to, but it requires an effort. I'm a riddle inside an enigma. So Tim Peterson from Water Valley, Mississippi, reached out to me and said, Hey, Steve, I love all the rock stuff, but man, I'm really a country music fan. Could you do some country music or some blues? So here I am. We're going to do country today, boys. We're going to put on our cowboy boots and get out the fiddles, and we're going to go through Rose Bowl's top ten list. How about that? Here's something I bet you didn't know. Thanks to the fine folks of the Dixie National Rodeo and my grandmother, because when I was a kid, we were as broke as the Ten Commandments. We didn't get to go do anything. We went to church. That, that was our recreational activity. We went to church. We didn't, get, we didn't get to go to the park. We didn't do all that stuff. But once a year, once a year, we got to go to the Dixie National Rodeo in Jackson. And it would always be a night when there would be some country music superstar, some super group there that everybody loved, and we'd get our tickets. And then when the tickets would come in the mail, it was the biggest thing in the world because, again, we were broke, man. My gran- I lived with my grandparents until I was eight years old. And... Uh, my grandfather was a preacher and a carpenter, and my grandmother was a uh, was a housewife. And uh, they had kids in high school, and then they had a couple grandkids to take care of too. And uh, and so it was a difficult deal. My mom was there, but it was just a difficult deal. So my grandparents were basically my parents for much of my youth, and I learned a lot from them. But uh, I understood, you know, we were we didn't have a whole lot. But I remember my grandmother used to say, you know what, we have each other. And the, more, the older I get, the more that matters to me because people matter more to me, more than things and experiences and that sort of stuff. You learn what really matters is you get a little maturity under you and you get some miles under your feet. And I remember those trips to the Dixie National Rodeo so fondly. And I remember there was a cowboy by the name of Tom Ferguson. I think it was Tom, but his last name was Ferguson. And he used to come every year and he was great. And so you always look forward to seeing him again. We love the clowns. But that was like... That was the big event of the year. It was almost like Christmas. You got to get in the car, and we were to Jackson, and it was only an hour and a half from home, but it seemed like it took forever. You know, we were so broke as a kid. You know, anything beyond Jackson, Mississippi, seemed like a foreign country. And so I got to see a lot of country music superstars at the Dixie National Rodeo, like many of you. We saw Kenny Rogers. We saw Dolly Parton. We saw Alabama. Alabama was different because they didn't wear cowboy hats and – 
what's his name, Randy Perry, had longer hair. Got to see Glenn Campbell. When I was a little kid, my favorite song in the world was Rhinestone Cowboy. And I got to hear Glenn Campbell sing that live at the Dixie National Rodeo. Man, what a big thrill that was as a kid. Got to see the Oak Ridge Boys, the Statler Brothers, many, many others. Saw Charlene Tilton in that little outfit she had on, that sequin mirrored thing. She couldn't sing, but, man, she was awfully nice to look at, wasn't she? So those, uh, those groups did not make my top ten list, though. Because I've got some of you got to think. I've got my whole lifetime to choose from here, right? It's my top ten list. And so some of you are going to say, well, Steve, some of these people are not country. And I disagree. And there are a lot of people that say, well, Steve, if any of these songs have the word girl, it's not real country. And, yeah, maybe it's not. But it's my top ten list. You put your own list together. But here is my top ten country songs. There is no Florida-Georgia line here, but I do like them. I do. There is no Sam Hunt here, but I like him too. I think Break Up in a Small Town is a wonderful song. Uh, I think we've all probably experienced that at some point, especially of us that grew up in rural Mississippi. I grew up in Columbia, Mississippi, town of about 6,500 people, and at some point everybody dated each other. And so, yeah, it was difficult to go to town and see your ex-girlfriend riding around with some friend of yours. It's happened to all of us. I never thought she would get down with somebody I know either, but she did. But I didn't put those songs on here, but I do like those songs. So here is my top ten list. And again, you may disagree. And you ask me tomorrow, I'd probably think of some other song. But there's not a lot of classic country on here. There is some, but not a lot. And I, to be fair, too, I, there, like, I could put half a dozen Garth Brooks songs out for you pretty quick. Kenny Chesney, too. I tried to go one per artist. So here we go. Number 10 for me, and there's a few songs from this guy, Jason Aldean. I really like the song, When the Lights Come On. I like the one, When the Lights Go Out, too. But When the Lights Come On is like a great opening song. You know, about it's just about going out and enjoying live music and having a good time. And, and, and I miss those times a lot. Just being able to kind of go lose yourself and find yourself and reconnect with the tribe and, and kind of leave all the, the, the stress and worry of, of the work week behind and just go out there and, you know, when the lights come on and you think, you know what, I don't have to worry about being a parent or an employee or anything like that or a writer or anything right now. I'm in the moment and I'm riding the wave of a good time. I miss that. Number nine, this goes back a long way with me, man. This goes back back to my drinking days. You know, I've been drinking, not drinking for almost 30 years, but uh, a couple of these songs are from that time. But uh, this is this one holds a special place for me. I used to ride around and listen to Vince Gill with a friend of mine. He'd always get depressed and ride and drink and listen to Vince Gill and cry. I didn't cry, but, uh, but, but be that as it may, one of my dear friends, his dad died when we were young. And they played this song at his funeral. And it's When I Call Your Name by Vince Gill. And uh, even when I hear it today, I'm taken back to that moment of hearing that play in the funeral home. And it just guts me. It really does. Because you begin to realize your own mortality. And at some point, the people that you love, you know, either we're going to leave them or they're going to leave us. But um, Vince Gill, an underappreciated genius for sure. Number eight, a, a true success story in music, Clint Black. But it's killing time. And uh, that's a good drinking and driving song, too. Not that I advocate that, but riding around with your friends with a designated driver and then, you know, sipping on a cold beer or whatever, that's another good song there. Again, do not drink and drive. (laughs) That's do not drink and drive. Just because I did it, it doesn't make it right. But um, that was one of those songs that's, you know, to me, that's more true country. 
There's no bass line to that. There's no keyboards in that Clint Black song. Number seven, a song that was incredibly overplayed, but a great song about a great place in our great country. It's in Chattahoochee from Alan Jackson. Uh, I like the fact that it is more real country, but it's also too kind of up-tempo. It seems like everybody did a dance routine to that song, like every every high school football game I went to, every, every cheerleader group did the Chattahoochee. I never knew how much that muddy water meant to me. It's all about growing up in the South. A more modern song that I think is very, very clever, and uh, I, while I didn't write this one, I could have written this one because the sentiment certainly exists, but it's called You Ain't Worth the Whiskey by Cole Swindle. Uh, I think that I have all been, I've, we've all been through that too, but it's like, you know, the, the chorus of the song is, you know, I, I might sit here and have a drink and drink all night, but I won't be drinking your memory away because you're not worth the whiskey. I got a bunch of exes like that that weren't, that aren't worth that. But uh, uh, number five, kind of a newer one for me, had a dear friend share this song with me, thought I might like it, and I really dig it. And it's, so it's in my top 10, but it's a song called The Ones That Like Me. Uh, by Brantley Gilbert, and he's also a, a tremendous songwriter. Had a lot of songs that have been very successful. Uh, but the ones that like me love me, and the ones that hate me don't know me. I, I love it. I think it's great writing, and I like their delivery. And, and he looks a lot like me. He just can't grow hair like me. Number four, going back several years, there are times in my life, this has probably been my favorite country music song, but it's a song called Dust on the Bottle by David Lee Murphy. I, I think the song, the songwriting is wonderful. And it's kind of one of those happy-go-lucky type songs. And there's not a lot of that in country music, but uh, it's kind of a good time and song. Number three for me, and I could have gone in a lot of different ways with this one, but I went with How Forever Feels by Kenny Chesney. I almost went with the good stuff because I, I think Kenny Chesney's one of those guys that kind of hits you right in the chest. But uh, I like How Forever Feels, and I like that. You know, he's a guy from Florida and that sort of stuff. And so he's a little more, a little more of a bohemian than uh, – some of those guys around Nashville, but uh, really like that song. I think Kenny Chesney has a lot of critics of him that are probably unjust. A lot of people out there that don't like him. Number two for me, I could have gone in any number of ways here, but uh, I just felt like I would go with all my exes live in Texas from George Strait. I could have gone with um, Walking, Talking, True Love. What is it? Out of the Clear Blue Sky. Could have gone with my uh, the Chair, which is a fabulous song. It is one of those songs that tells a great narrative. And I, you know, I think George Strait is probably, of the modern contemporary Christian country singers, is probably the truest to the genre. George Strait is great. Uh, Amarillo by Morning and Carrying Your Love With Me. There's, and you, It probably sounds almost sacrilegious to hear me rattle off these country music songs the way that I do. But I love music. I don't, I don't love country nearly as much as I do uh, rock music by any stretch. I like a little more crunch. But uh, be that as it may, I respect the genre. But number one for me, and again, you probably know this before I say it, and I could have gone a number of ways here, but it's got to be friends in low places because that's what we do at Duty Noble Field in the, uh, in, in the mid-eighth or top eight. And uh, I love the song. It reminds me of uh, going to... The 3G Daiquiri Depot in Bogalusa, Louisiana. I was there every Wednesday night. It was $7, all you could drink, and they lost money on me every Wednesday night. But we went. We had a great time. And at the end of the night, when the lights came up, they played Friends in Low Places, and all of us sang as we left. We knew we had to leave. We didn't have to go home, but we had to get out of there. And as bad as things got for me, there were some good times in there too, which is why you keep doing it, right? But uh, Garth is great. Took me a long time to kind of get on that bandwagon. 
because I didn't like country music. It reminded me too much of my parents when I was a kid. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like, you know, you want to find your own thing. But, um, yeah, I, I respect it. I respect anybody that can take an idea and put their heart into it and put words to it and lyrics and then put a tune to it and make somebody else feel something. That is the better part of writing. It's not just, and whether it be me writing a book or somebody writing a song, it's not just one of us dictating to you how the cow eats the cabbage. It's being able to elicit emotion from your reader or your listener. And uh, these are some of the songs that remind me of different times in my life and, um, and people. You, know, you attach people to songs. And so that's my country song list, Tim. You might disagree. And I know, again, I'm going to get inundated with so many of you Steve, I can't believe, hey, you know what? If you want more country music from me, then request more country music from me. But uh, it's not something that I'm going to do regularly, but every so often. If, if you wanted me to do a top 10 Garth songs, I could do it. I could probably put together a few others. But, um, you know, again, I, I don't like to label music per se. I know a lot of people say, well, it's new country, it's outlaw country, it's dirt road country, whatever. I'm not that in tune to country music to be able to pick a, a, a subgenre of country music. But uh, the people that I mentioned, those are people I think that are at the top of their game and people that uh, write songs that mean something to people. All right, Campus Bookmark means something to me too. They're longtime sponsors of this show, and I'm going to encourage you to go by and freak with them, their establishment when you're in town. Stan the man, Miss Kathy Brown, the whole crew there will treat you like family because you are family. But if you can't make it to town or perhaps in-person shopping is not something you're interested in just yet, Visit them at campusbookmart.net, and by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll save you a little money. Use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson, and that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. I love Campus Bookmart. I love the selection, good prices, but you know, there is so much about, there's so many options today to buy retail. It really is. I mean, it's easy to go on Amazon and say, hey, I'm going to go find an MOVRS hat. But you know what? The service after the sale, not to mention supporting local merchants, is an important thing, especially now in Starkville. With the reduction in home games, the reduction in attendance, there's going to be a reduction in revenue for those people. Could be some great people that you know and love that might lose a job or perhaps be laid off. So I'm going to encourage you to frequent our Starkville vendors, and you can visit Campus Bookmart, of course, at campusbookmart.net. But whether it be food, beverage, whatever, some of your favorite Starkville vendors are facing some very uncertain times as we get into the fourth quarter. And so they're going to depend on Christmas and you know, to kind of keep things afloat. I mean, how would we feel if some of our favorite businesses went under due to this? Unless I do think it's temporary. I think we will bounce back here in the next several months. But what if they're not around to do it? What if they experience financial ruin? So I'm going to encourage you to reach out, shop online, rather than going to Amazon, I'm going to encourage you to go to Campus Bookmark. And maybe if, if you're looking for something else in town, we've got several great vendors here. They're local people run by Mississippi State people that have a lot of Mississippi State merchandise for you. And it, listen, here's the deal, too. Like, Go to eatwithus.com and, and order yourself some gift cards. You've got college students up here that are friends or nephews or neighbors or whatever, and they would love a night out. They'd love to be able to get a hamburger to go. Order them a gift card. Or you know what? When you come to town, at some point, you're going to use that money anyway. So maybe treat it like a savings account. Go ahead and order yourself some Bulldog Burger gift cards and have those with you. 
But there are a lot of people that are your friends. There are people that have been here for you many years, been a part of your game day experience here at Mississippi State. You know, there are some stores you stop by on the way to town. You say, hey, I'm going to go in there and let's get everybody a shirt. Man, where's a fresh shirt to the game? And while we're here, we'll go by and we'll go to Hardy's place and we'll get some donuts. And then we'll go eat lunch at Harvey's. Or, you know, there's so much of that that we take for granted. But those people are hurting today. And there's no bailout coming for them. It's not going to happen. Their bailout's going to come from you and come from us. So I'm going to encourage you, whenever possible, frequent our Starkville merchants. And if you can't make it to town, call them up, get some gift cards, do some online shopping. So please think about Starkville first when you get ready because listen it's what are we four four months from christmas now right four months from christmas some of you have already opted out for your tickets not going to buy tickets this year so you're going to have a little surplus money because you're not going to be making those trips and getting those hotel rooms maybe go ahead and get it ahead of the game with some christmas shopping and do some online shopping with some of our starkville merchants go ahead and get ahead of the game and at the same time be part of a bailout for our Starkville people that, that love you and want to be able to service you, but unfortunately many of you are not going to be here. The ticket situation is something that everybody's kind of working through. As close as you are aware, Tennessee announced yesterday that uh, how they're going to do it. It's all going to be based off loyalty. And uh, listen, your Bulldog Club points have probably never meant more than ever, but I understand that there is a large percentage of our longtime donors that are opting out this year. I would not opt out even if I, yeah, because I would, I could put family in those seats, but be that as it may, there are some people saying, hey, I'm so far down the list, I'm not going to make it. No, at this point, I, I think that if you want to get tickets and you're a season ticket holder, that you have a real chance to get tickets. Uh, because again, there's some of our people that have underlying conditions that said, you know what, I'm going to watch from home this year, but I want to maintain my standing in the Bulldog Club. And the university has so graciously kind of afforded everybody that opportunity. So I think it's important that we kind of understand, you know, listen, don't give up hope if you're hoping to come to a ball game. It is going to be very difficult to get um, single-game tickets. And with everybody going to this um, electronic ticket thing, it's important you understand, too, that uh, tickets are going to have to be transferred. It's going to be very difficult to get printed tickets. So be mindful of that as you kind of move forward with your thoughts and planning for ball games. If somebody tries to sell you a ticket, you need to make sure you get electronic transfer. You can read up on that. That's one thing that I would encourage you to do. When the announcement is made, go to hellstate.com. We'll have some things over on Gene's page to help as well. But it's going to be a different experience for everybody. The bowl attendance is going to be somewhere around 15,000. There will be some luxury suite attendance too. The number will probably settle somewhere around 16, 17,000 maximum. But then we'll see how things go. Maybe things will trend in the right direction. Listen, if we can get through Labor Day, I'm worried about that two weeks right after Labor Day. If we can get through that, Without going back down the rabbit hole, I think we're going to be okay. Because I think once we get through a couple of weeks, they're, and they're going to be issues. Go ahead and be prepared. There are going to be people test positive. There are going to be some things that are happening. There are going to be guys that miss games and all that sort of stuff. There's all that stuff to consider. But I think everybody right now just needs to take it again a day at a time. Okay, what are we doing today? Okay, well, today's a win because there's not any news out there about uh, Mississippi State taking steps back. A couple of things I wanted to get into before we get out of here today. Uh, we did speak with players and coaches 
Javante Payton spoke yesterday, and we'll, we'll have those videos kind of shared throughout the week on our jeanspage.com stories. You can go see them right now over on our page. But Javante Payton, very, very comfortable. Going to win number zero this year, play in the slot, expecting him to start. Very explosive player. Very explosive player. A guy that I think will really thrive in this offense. He tells us that uh, they spend a lot of time running in practice. They run everywhere they go. They run a route, they run back, they run a route, they run back. There's not a lot of downtime. We're trying to get into the defense's legs, wear them down. But Peyton seems to be happy, and he looked really comfortable up there. I thought he was eager to talk to the media. You know, he's a guy that's very personable. He's one of those guys, too, that I think could benefit from this whole deal about the, uh, you know, about the the mulligan year. You know, this year, it's not going to count against your eligibility. I think he could be a breakout star for us and have the ability to come back. Because if he doesn't, maybe if he doesn't have a full body of work and perhaps he doesn't, uh, get what he wants out of the draft. It'll be interesting to see how they handle that too. He's a guy I think could really benefit uh, from that, having an extra year of eligibility. He may not want it. You know, he may be a guy that has a good enough year this year that he can get on a pro roster next year. But I think he is a guy who doesn't have a lot on film because he didn't have a lot of opportunities last year. So hopefully he will benefit from that. Mason Miller, offensive line coach at Mississippi State, met with us last night. Probably the big news from that, Right tackle right now, running with the ones. Quatravius Dollar Bill Johnson. Greg Allen has been the starting right tackle. It's a guy that was our starting left tackle for a stretch when Martinez Rankin was out. It appears that Dollar Bill is taking the lead. And now Greg Island has kind of been a flow guy, which means that he's kind of filling in. They're still figuring out the whole right guard spot. You know, Darren Parker is your left guard. Cole Smith. James Jackson competing for that center spot. I think it's Cole Smith right now, but James Jackson is pushing. Charles Cross, he was called a pit bull at left tackle. That's your left tackle. So if we're going left to right, right now, Cross at left tackle, Parker at left guard, Cole Smith, and then right guard are still a little bit of a battle. LaQuinston Sharp is in there. I think... He could probably, he's another guy that probably benefits from again another year. We, if we could have uh, redshirted him last year, it'd been great for him, but he kind of gets the opportunity to get that back. I think that's the unsettled. Scott Lashley has been there some, and then now you've got Dollar Bill at right tackle. So is Greg Owen sliding at right guard? Don't know. But the bottom line is, is that uh, we're beginning to see some of these position battles kind of shake out. I like where we are. Or the offensive line. When, and you go look at these splits, and Mason Miller talked about that, is it, it's just a trust issue. You've got to have confidence to know, despite these wide splits, you can still do what you need to do. I'll have an interview with Greg Island up later today over on Gene's page, and you'll be able to read what he had to say about you know, the transition and all the things that, that are going on that being an offensive lineman at Mississippi State kind of encompasses now. So that's important. Uh, we also had an opportunity to hear from um, – Steve Spurrier Jr. And I asked Spurrier, I said, hey, listen, we had a lot of drops last year. And he goes, hey, I don't know what you're talking about. We're not talking about last year. We're talking about this year. And so he's told his guys, you got three things you got to do. Get open, catch a ball, make plays. Uh, I like the mentality of this staff. It's kind of like, you know what, last year doesn't matter. And he made the comment too, you know, we, you know we're going to have three of you guys catch 60 passes this year. You know, and so it's, it's, it's very much a culture shock 
for our guys. And listen, they have not repped out like this as receivers in their entire careers. One of the things that I've learned uh, from somebody on staff is that uh, a lot of our guys did not have a lot of fundamental catching technique. You know, they've they've all done the Odell Beckham thing. You know, throw the ball behind me, let me go up and make the the one-handed grab. But nobody never really taught them how to catch properly. I mean, there's only two different ways to receive a ball as a football player. And both of them require your hands to be together. A lot of times guys run out there and they just, you know, just kind of get in on athleticism rather than technique. And so what I suspect you're going to see from that is a much more polished wide receiving core. A lot of discussion about Tula Griffin playing. I don't think he starts. Some other people are starting to suggest that. Based on the information that I have, it is far too soon to make that type of determination. But we're going to trot four wide receivers out there a lot, and uh, he is going to be one of them from time to time. He's going to play as a freshman. And I understand he and Jaden Wally both have done some big things. Rufus Harvey dealing with a little bit of a hamstring issue. But uh, these younger guys are kind of showing, you know what, we're going to be good. Uh, Malik, he's still working his way back into good graces. But these wide receivers are getting kind of a crash course in what it means to be a receiver in the Power Five. And what's sad about that, and this is the thing that I think about, is that you know our, our players, our receivers, the last two years have had former NFL guys as their position coaches, but yet many of them don't have the basic fundamentals of what it is to be a receiver. Now, I don't know if that's an indictment on the previous coaching staff or an indictment on the current wide receiver's ability to learn things. You know, perhaps Luke Getzey and Michael Johnson repped those guys to death and they just didn't absorb it. I've got a hard time believing that because on social media we see so much of the receivers talking about how hard they're working and how much uh, effort they're having to put in practice and how they never practice as hard in their life. What that tells me is there has been a culture shift and there needed to be a culture shift at wide receiver. And really Mississippi State football in its entirety. We needed to have all the situation resolved before now. But the bottom line is this, is now we've got coaches that are holding these guys accountable. We have guys that are holding these guys to a standard. And I don't think they're quite so worried about being their friends. You know, Steve Spurrier made a good comment last night about Terrell Shavers. He goes, hey, you're going to be a target because of your size, because of your recruiting profile, because of your background. People are going to try to make a name on him, and he's got to rise to the occasion. He's always going to be the guy that everybody looks to. I, when Steve Spurrier talks, we've talked privately several times. When he talks, he, he sounds a lot like his dad, but also, too, I like his no-nonsense approach, and I can see why he and Mike Leach get along so well. He is going to hold these guys accountable and to a standard. And he said last night, and I, I think we saw on the roster, it's like we got 20-something receivers now, counting all the walk-ons. So we're going to find you know seven or eight guys and we're going to run with it. And he says, if you can't catch the football, you can't play. You know, under Billy Gonzalez, if you couldn't block, you couldn't play. And again, I'm not being critical of Billy. I like Billy Gonzalez a lot. But you know, you couldn't block. If you couldn't block on the perimeter, they weren't going to throw you the football. They weren't going to put you on the field. Well, in this scheme, we're not doing a whole lot of that. We're doing some of it, but not a whole lot. We're running down the field, getting open, catching the football. So get open catch a ball, make plays. Get open, catch a ball, make plays. It sounds pretty simple, but when you've taken some guys that have not really been forced to do that, they've been had to do so many other things, 
have been coached to different standards and a lot of times things not, not really held accountable for, there is a culture shock. I wrote before Joe Moorhead was terminated and on this show that there was a culture problem at Ole Miss. Well, there is one there. There was a culture problem with Mississippi State, and some of you didn't like it. I had some people within the Mississippi State football family that told me they did not appreciate it. Then days later, Joe Moorhead was terminated. We had a culture problem at Mississippi State. Now, I am still a fan of Joe Moorhead. I think Joe Moorhead is a tremendous person. I think Joe Moorhead is an offensive genius. I still believe that. I just think it didn't work out for us. I think the roster was probably not exactly what it needed to be to run his scheme, especially the quarterback position. And then when he goes and gets his guy, things just didn't work out. But the bottom line is, I don't know that he was ready for this job, but he's no longer our coach. And I think sometimes Joe invested in being the, the kids' players. I think he was a, coach, a, a player's coach to a fault. And now you've got a guy here that's a coach. He loves the players, but he doesn't want to go hang out with them. You know, he's not friends with them on Snapchat or whatever that is. You know, that's not what he does. And so I think one of the things that you do with young people especially is you treat them like what you expect them to be. You know, you, like they always talk about in, in business, you know, dress for the job you want, not for the job you have. You know, you, if you want these guys to be pro football players someday, then you need to coach them as pros and not as your fraternity brothers. You're not getting that at Mississippi State. That's what's changing. Mike Leach and the new staff there are holding these guys accountable. And, I, again, we got to chase the rabbit trail a little bit, but you're going to see better play out of wide receivers because there is increased competition and increased level of accountability with all that. Well, that's going to do it for today. Again, go to Campus Bookmart. Check those guys out. Go to Bulldog Burger. Go to Hawthorne.co. And go to Alpha Dogs a Book. Order yourself some reading material today. I'll be back on Friday. No idea what we're going to talk about then, but we'll have a top ten list and we'll have another chance to talk to players and coaches between now and then. We look forward to doing both. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.